welcome to True Black TV's weekly podcast where it features the world's most extreme athletes. This week, in honor of Martin Luther King's birthday, we're proud to introduce Kai Leitner, who began climbing at the age of six at the encouragement of his mom in North Carolina. The following year, Kai entered the climbing competition scene, going on to win 10 national championship titles and three Pan American Championships. And most recently, Kai just won two silver medals in lead and bouldering in the 2016 World Youth Championship after taking three months off due to a back injury. His eyes set on the 2020 Olympics and a slew of 515s on his never-ending hit list. Kai has proven to be one of the most inspiring role models for kids his age, especially in the African-American community. It gives us great pleasure to introduce Kai Leitner. Kai, welcome to our show. Congratulations, man, on your uh, World Cup achievements. It's just unbelievable. You're on a tear. Thank you. <laughs> Will you... Um, sounds like uh, reading your blog, but you're pretty surprised how quickly you came back. Yeah, I was really surprised about, like, uh, being able to get back to form relatively quickly because I was, uh, I mean, I was only able to train back starting at, like, the beginning of August, and I wasn't really, um, and I didn't, I wasn't really able to do a lot of training at all until maybe September, and so, in my first event was back in October, and then the World Championships was in mid-November, so I didn't have maybe enough time in my mind to prepare, and it definitely wasn't ideal, like, preparation for an event of that magnitude, but I was happy that I was able to kind of persevere. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so what did you do specifically to get yourself back into that form, you think? I think, well, the... To get back into that form, I mean, I was only limited to being able to do so much without, because I didn't want to re-injure it, because then we'd be back to where we started in the beginning of the year. So I think what really got me through that period and helped me achieve that was just being able to mentally persevere. I think that I had been to that event before, and I had done well, and so I was I was confident that I could... Uh, hopefully replicate my past achievements and so I was I was super happy that like I was just able to have enough confidence to walk in and just and try my best in every route. I also feel like I maybe had a bit less expectations of myself because I knew that um, I mean I wasn't physically maybe at 100% as I had in the past and so I was able to kind of compete with the free mind and being able to just really try my best on each route and so. You know yeah. that's interesting because I've heard so many climbers whether it's Chris Sharmer or even Pringle, all that, they're all saying the same thing, that just about when the point where they've given up on the climb, well, I'll give it one more shot, is when they send it. Exactly. Because it's just, when you don't have the pressure and just knowing that you can do it, I think it lets you just climb much more free. It allows you to really be at your sharpest. Hmm. Yeah, no kidding. What did you do physically? Because I know that, uh, you know, Climbing is one of those sports where it seems like you take a couple of weeks off and you really feel it. Um, take a number of months off. You took, what, three months off? Yeah, three. Well, yeah. a little over three. That's a long time. Yeah. It was, so how'd you get, it was how'd you get back time. physically? I think that, I mean, well, 
again, I couldn't do so much. I was only allowed to be in the gym for like an hour a day. And then when I was, like, I didn't lead climb. I could really only boulder, and it was at very limited grades. And so, really, I was just going into the gym each day and, and doing everything that I could do. I mean, there were no – I wasn't – I couldn't do pull-ups until the end of August. Or actually, not even the end of August, really, like the beginning of September. And so, I was just going in the gym and just climbing as much as I was allowed to before my back was start hurting. Were you doing any fingerboard hangs? Oh no, I I don't do fingerboard like at all. You don't. Interesting. No, I don't. No, I don't do fingerboards because well, um, well, a my growth place is still open, and b had a finger injury when I was younger, and so I kind of well, I never did it afterwards. What do you think uh, caused your back injury? Oh, I think it was a combination of the fact that I'm training at a really high level, and also the fact that I went to the, my one of my biggest growth no my biggest growth spurt. I grew about 10 inches in a matter of a year and a half, and, so, and that's a lot. And when wow. your body's changing that much, and your body's changing that much, and everything's not catching up at the same rate, and I'm still training at an elite level, with, I think that it was just, I mean, something like this was kind of like, I wouldn't say inevitable, but it wasn't a surprise that it happened. Hmm. How tall are you now? I'm six foot two. Six foot two. You're nice. Yeah. <laughs> and how old are you? I'm 17. 17. So, I mean, you could end up being, what, 6'4", maybe? Or... That, no, that'd be yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still growing, and so we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because so many climbers, you know, I've heard so many tall climbers saying, oh, you know, it's much easier if you're shorter. But I'm seeing a new crop of taller climbers like yourself that are emerging that could redefine that whole definition of what is the right height well personally i don't i what i think of that is i think that this, it's just because that the majority the significant majority of high level athletes are within the five six to five ten range and because mm-hmm. of that that's that's the way that all the roots are set for competitions and it's just just the style, and I've always been the tallest person in my category. I haven't always been tall, but relative to my people of my age, I've always been taller. And so it's just like, you know, I think that um, I've always had, that's always been something that I've had to accommodate for. And so um, I think that uh, both sides of the spectrum give different disadvantages. Again, I've, I've been short and tall, and so I feel like <laughs> I have a really, I have a good perspective. Now as a professional climber, on both ends of the spectrum. So I think I have a unique perspective when looking at these things. Like, I feel like when I, like, I, when I climbed my first, like, AC Plus and I would, did my first youth sport championships and everything, like, um, I fit in the boxes better. And, but, like, but, um, being a tall athlete, I mean, I may not necessarily fit in the boxes better, but I do get some advantages. And as long as I stay flexible and I'm able to read the route to my advantage, I think that it could still work out for me. It, and also, it helps that the, the best climber in the world, Adamandra, is also my same height. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, he was on a tear about your age doing the same thing. Uh, do you feel the pressure of uh, um, falling in his footsteps, so to speak? Well, those are some pretty big footsteps. <laughs> I think those are that real big footsteps. 
Absolutely. I think that uh, Adam Andre is a fantastic athlete, but I think that I'm paving my own way in a sense. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I'm 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 less so focused on the achievements of others and more focused on how I progress naturally in my climbing. I know. That's a smart approach. Yeah, because yeah. one of the big mistakes that I think a lot of people make, whether it's climbing or any sport or anything in that matter, is comparing themselves to others. Yes, I think the moment when you start, like, especially in competitions, the moment when you start comparing yourself, your body type, your style of climbing to other people and, and attempt to overcompensate is kind of when you start to see the downfall of many athletes. They, they spend too much time chasing others and not worrying about maximizing their climbing ability. And I think that that's something that I have always been, I've always been taught to focus on by my coaches and my mom and just something that I've always carried with me. That's so fascinating. What, what I find really amazing is that you're from North Carolina, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what's mind-boggling is that uh, it's not like this is renowned for being a climbing mecca. How oh, did you absolutely get, not. So how did you get involved in climbing in the first place? Well, I got it was actually by chance really. I mean, I was I mean, I was always active, like I climbed things, but it would be like when I was before I could walk, I would climb over my baby gates and if I ever saw a brick building, I would climb the side of the wall if I could see like seams in them. And so I was always doing it, but I never knew what was actually a thing until I was uh there was a flagpole in front of my mom's job that I would always climb up and my mom hated it. But one day I climbed all the way up to the, all the way up to the top, and she was trying to get me down. And, and a lady walked by and saw me climbing up it, and she snuck my mom. Um, she wrote the address to the local climbing gym on a sticky note, and she gave it to my mom. And she said that it would be a, kind of a cool activity to get into because she had heard like one of her kids, like her kid had done it. And so um, my mother brought me to the climbing gym the next day, and it was just from there. <laughs> wow. And, and how old were you then? I was six. You were six years old. Perfect age, man. I, I, I'd say I see kids that age right now, just in our gym on Planet Granite in Sunnyvale, California. <clears throat> they're like, they have these camps and training teams, and they're like six, seven years old, and they're doing, the girls are doing as many pull-ups, if not more, than like the guys, and it's just amazing to watch. Yeah, especially so. at that age, the boys and girls are pretty equal physical ability. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's still impressive, like being able to see like how the sport is progressing in terms of training. Like when I was when I was six years old in the sport, I mean it wasn't that long ago, like eleven years ago. But like when I was six years old, it was like um, there was no real true training method in terms of competition climbing or really in climbing in general. It was kind of just you go in a gym and you climb and I mean Mm -hmm. you just think that that made obvious sense like pull-ups or push-ups like things that were like common sense and nowadays like you have full-on coaches and teams and um like sports science being uh, implemented in different training programs and um, especially with the sport being introduced to the Olympics I think the progression of training and young kids and seeing them grow up in a sport and seeing how much stronger the next generation is and our generation is pretty impressive to see. Yeah, no kidding. And, and speaking of the, the Olympics, um, do you have any desires to compete in the Olympics? Oh, absolutely. 
it's like one of my it's my biggest goal actually um will the youth olympics is in two years which we've been placed into and then the the real olympics is in 2020 and so i'll be pacing myself for that so that's the big goal and i'm really excited about it nice nice you know how do you um pace yourself and how do you train for something like that are, are you like um, do you have a coach that's guiding you through the whole process um, well, I have a coach. His name is Shane Messer, and he lives in Boston. And I think the actually the biggest person who helps me with my training at the moment is like it's a combination of myself and my mom, because she kind of helps me stay disciplined in the gym when I kind of don't want to go. I think that um, pacing myself for the Olympics and just getting advice from multiple people, including my coach, and um, I'm also talking to an Olympic Institute in Canada and a lot of different people that I've been able to uh, incorporate different styles, and especially talking to a lot of the best athletes in the world and seeing what they do for training, I think it's really been beneficial. I mean, kind of just piecing it together. <laughs> yeah. No, I was watching um, uh, some videos of you, and, and then I saw a picture of you in, on your blog, actually. Uh, it looked like you were doing a split and a crux move. And have you always been that flexible? Yeah, I've always been that flexible, luckily. I, but I do dedicate at least half an hour a day to stretching. When I'm on my off-season or when I'm not traveling, it's twice a day, which is an hour a day stretching, but I'm always stretching. I find it to be actually one of, if not the most important thing that I'm, I'm doing outside of climbing because I think that it, it really benefits my climbing. And I have a... One of my things of competition is that I'm always able to find different sequences that suit my body type, and so being able to be flexible definitely opens up my my options a lot more. Nice. Do you practice yoga, or is it just your own stretching routine? I know it's my own stretching routine. I'm I'm too I'm too lazy for yoga. It's not that I'm lazy. It's just <laughs> it's, yoga's hard. <laughs> so I like to just stretch. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I have gone to a bunch of yoga classes, but I find that I just, you know, it, most of the classes are an hour and a half, and it's like I'm at the gym, and I really want to climb, so stretching for 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour, and then climb. But to go to a yoga class on top of trying to climb, I just don't have the time. So I totally get it. Exactly. Exactly. No. Just yeah, finding the time to do a yoga class, especially every day that... That's, a, that takes dedication, and B, yoga is just not that interesting to me. I'm, I have ADHD, and it's very hard for me to focus on something for that long of a period of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you yeah, know, yoga may not be the best. Yeah, no, I hear you. What's it like being an African-American in the climbing community? Being Af- African-American in a sport that's predominantly white it's, I mean, I obviously knew going in that I was doing something different, especially since in my community it was a big deal that I was doing what I was doing because no one rock climbs. Um, and the way out in typically in, in African-American communities is being a basketball player, being a football player, um, doing sports along those lines. And so being a rock climber was definitely outside of the box. And so I kind of got I mean, maybe teased a little bit in school because of it. And so uh, I, I was a little bit subconscious going into the sport. And then mm-hmm. um, I definitely kind of think as I've grown in the sport and I've become more successful, I think I definitely 
see my role as being a role model for people of color in my sport because I know that if we want to increase diversity in, in outdoor sports in general, not just rock climbing, they, we have to see role models and uh, cultural like uh, representation. Like if, if more African Americans are doing well in the sport like I am, and people can look up to people like me and see that that we can do it, then I think more people we won't be so afraid. We won't be so afraid to get into sports like rock climbing and be able to be a part of it and feel included. Well, that's really cool that you see yourself as a possible role model, and we look at you that way. It's gone. Wow, this is so inspiring to see someone that is not only african-american but you, you have a head on your shoulders man i mean you're the way you're able to communicate the way you're able to write uh, you are definitely inspiring a lot of people out there and I'm, I'm really hoping it crosses over and inspires more to do the same thank you <laughs> I, I i try to, to keep uh, my head on straight especially knowing that i'm i'm hopefully inspiring a, a new generation of kids who are who are becoming more diverse. It's not just a sport. And climbing is no longer a sport where the only way you can get into it is if you know someone who does it also. It's not so communal. It's, much, it's becoming a lot more mainstream, and you have people like climbing is in more commercials and ads, and it's being much better represented in the media, and now it's an Olympic sport. And mm-hmm. when you have all this exposure, it's just it's inevitable that the participation in the sport is going to increase dramatically and so I, I want that I want more a more diverse population to be included in that increase in the sport because again it's just if I if there are no role models that are that look like us then it's going to we're not, we're not going to feel included Mhm. so true you know when you're getting ready to like compete um, is there what do you do to get yourself in the right mindset? Do you meditate oh, well, or anything like I, that or listen to music? or? I do the exact same routine every time before I compete. I listen to the same music. I do the exact same exercises. I do the exact same amount of moves on the wall that pertain to how I warm up. And I I schedule my warm-ups to the T so that by the time I'm out, it, it feels exactly the same as I would do in practice. I feel like having a routine before you compete is is key to success. I mean, you can't you you need to be able to normalize the situation and make it feel like just because it's competition day doesn't mean that it's necessarily special at the moment. Obviously, when you're done competing, I mean, the world championships is a huge deal. But when you're in ISO, you can't you can't increase like the magnitude of the event in your head because then you'll add too much pressure. I think just Keeping that routine the same and making it seem like another day in the gym well, is definitely the way to go. What kind of music are you listening to? Um, like what genre or like? Yeah, music? well, think, like when you're saying you're listening to the same music, what music are uh, you listening to? Well, a lot of upbeat stuff and like some stuff is motivational. Like I have some Drake, some some J. Cole, some um, Beyonce is in there too. <laughs> Just, it's just the music that I like. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't changed my playlist since I was eleven. I think <laughs> I might, I might, up, I might update it for this season. But uh, I might, up, I might update it for this season. But uh, <laughs> I, 
as of yeah, I haven't updated my routine at all. <laughs> so, I mean, not my routine, updated my uh, my playlist, and it's pretty cool. Uh, that is cool, man. You must. Uh, I can see where you know because I have my own routine as well, and I'm always curious what other athletes do. And you know, when you listen to some athletes, you know they have. You know, they get their socks laid out a particular way. They have everything laid out a particular way, and it has to be the same every single time. And if they do that, they know they're going to have a good performance. And well, yeah, I, you know, I mean, for the day before competition, I would eat the same thing. I always have oatmeal and eggs with fruit right before like I compete because it's just what I have to do. Like there's just always there's always things that I do beforehand. It, it just helps helps you normalize the situation, not put too much pressure on yourself time do you give yourself after eating before you actually compete or get on a hard climb? Oh, well, I never thought about it. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think about stuff like that. Like, I don't time that stuff. Usually, I only time, like, my warm-up and, like, specific, like, how many moves I do on the wall and how many powerful moves I'm doing on the wall, how many moves I'm doing the warm-up, like, the kind of, that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> is, is that hard to gauge when you're, like, going from competition to competition and do they have a, a similar wall that you can you know in each place that you go to that you can oh, warm up on every every warm up wall is way different actually I find the That's warm up walls when I can when I compete in international competitions are a lot worse actually than like with stuff domestically but um I think that I mean at the end of the day as long as you're it, I think it's just a mindset I mean whatever wall that I'm on I can find a way to still get in my zone and have my uh, my routine. I've yet to have a competition wall where I was unable to do the routine I've done for like for forever. I feel like just being able to accommodate. Yeah, no, that's that's good to be able to adapt real quick. How much uh, outdoor climbing are you doing these days? Outdoor climbing, I haven't. Oh, I've been injured like like eighty percent of this year, so unfortunately, I I uh, haven't been able to get outside that much. And also, uh, I had a, a trip planned in Spain for December, but I, two days into my trip, I I messed up my back again, so I had to come back home, unfortunately. But uh, I definitely I'm resting, and so for next year, I have some more outdoor trips planned, and I have some projects planned, and so I I don't know. I expect to <laughs> to. Uh, Started working more outside next season. Right on. Do you have any big goals in mind? Like, uh, do you have any ideas, like plans on getting something like Ladura Dura? Oh, Ladura Dura seems far away, <laughs> but I, I think my my goal for next season this is to my first 90 plus. Uh, I think that well, I've never ha- had enough time really to dedicate to a route that hard, and so I think next year I'm going to plan a trip and hopefully be able to send my first. This year. We'll see. Oh, right on, man. That is so awesome. Any girlfriends? No. <laughs> no. I time. I'm never in school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, my mom. <laughs> my mom is. Uh, she, she actually, she doesn't, she's not so involved. I mean, she, she's always in the gym with me, like, belaying me, but, like, she doesn't really, she doesn't know the difference. <laughs> It's like a lot of climbing terminology. She just knows that like I need to I need a belay to climb this route. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool, man. That you have your mom as your belay slave and coach. That is so cool. Yeah. Because not a lot of not a lot of kids have that. Just so you know. I yeah, uh, and I appreciate her. 
Yeah, because I see what I see at the gym oftentimes the parents just drop the kids off and they leave, and so to have your mom that engaged is just kudos to her. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, she well, she's been the, the main person always in the gym with me, and she she wouldn't have it any other way because she was always wanted to be the person at the end, end of the rope, and she she's watched my climbing for so long that anytime I'm stuck in a sequence and like I need beta, she can be like, well, try this. Try this heel hook, or try this drop knee, or try this move, this special move to get through. And she's usually right, whether I like it or not. <laughs> well, she knows you so well, and she's probably seen yeah. you a thousand times on the wall, so she knows you uh, like a video camera. You just replay her brain and go, "Oh, that's what I should do." Exactly, uh, she does. <laughs> well, finally, I mean, I'd like to ask you, what words of wisdom would you like to share with the Trouble Black community? Um, I think that the message I like to to convey to people in general, especially in the sport, is just to not be afraid to be different and always be willing to try something new. I think that uh, if I had listened to my community when I decided to pursue a sport like rock climbing, then I would have never got into it. I probably would be still vying to play basketball and be in the NBA or be the next football, be a the next great football player. And so I think that just being able to follow your passion, regardless of uh, the stigma of your community, is a really important lesson. Yeah, no kidding. I like that one quote I got from you. You kind of tapped into it. Don't fear to be different. Always follow your dreams. And uh, I really like that. So you feel like you're following your dreams. Absolutely. <laughs> Climbing is something I've loved from day one and something that is almost therapeutic to me to this day. I think that uh, when I'm being able to climb in the gym after going to school and filling out college essays and um, doing college applications and all that stuff, I think that climbing is a way that I'm able to de-stress and kind of enjoy myself. Yeah, no kidding. I think that's true for all people who are into climbing. Hey, well, Kai, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. I will. I'll let you guys know. We'll stay in contact. I'm sure in the not-so-distant future we'll be uh, we'll meet in person, so good luck. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I would really like that. Right on, man. Take care of yourself. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Well, Kai just left us with so many takeaways, I'm not sure where to begin. You know, first of all, you know, this whole thing about routines. You know, I've heard people talk about this before, and some people, you know, sport commentators, and they'll call it, you know, superstition-type actions that they take. But I don't think it's superstition more than I just find that it's a routine that they get into in order to get into the right mindset. I've had my own as well. Kai really tapped into that in a way that was almost like scientific. You know, he said that he does the exact same routine every time before a competition. He listens to the same music, same music that he's listened to since he was 11 years old. Think about that. He does the exact same exercise and the same moves that pertain to how he likes to warm up. He schedules his warm-up to a T, something we can all think about that. Do we warm up enough? Are we doing the right thing to get us there? I mean, sometimes I'm really battling that myself. Sometimes, like, do I warm up for 15 minutes? Do I do one or two climbs? How hard should the climb be? Kai has taken that to a level where he really thinks about it in the sense of how does he get his mind in the proper mindset? You know, that's that's a whole nother ball game when you start listening to the right music and you do the right stretching exercise and you do the exact same thing over and over and over so that when you 
walk up to that climb or you walk up to that route that you're supposed to do in a competition. Your mind is exactly where you want it to be. Your body, mind, and soul are all lined up perfectly. And the other thing that I really got from this whole takeaway is pacing. Pacing. Think about that. Kai is pacing himself, not for like where he wants to be, say by the spring or the fall, which I'm sure he's got some routes that he plans on doing at those moments, but what he's really got his eyes set on and what he's really pacing himself for is the 2020 Olympics. That's more than three years from now. Most people, whether they realize it or not, overestimate how much they can get done in a short period of time. You know, like thinking, hey, I'm just going to train for two, three months and I'm going to be able to take my game up a whole nother level. And they underestimate how much they can get done on a longer period of time. Like, imagine if we all started thinking like Kai and said, hey, where do I want to be by 2020? You know, when the Olympics is going on, can I be in a place where I couldn't imagine myself being? Like, could I take it up? For, I mean, if you're a 5'11 climber, 5'10 climber, 5'12 climber, whatever climbing level you're at, you want to take it up a whole nother notch. Like, you want to be climbing 12, 13, 14, whatever it may be. You know, you got to think about long-term strategy of how you're going to get there. What kind of diet do you need to get on? What kind of exercises do you need to be doing on a regular, consistent basis? You know, what kind of climbing should you be doing to get there? You know, and obviously, during this whole time, you're going to be thinking about how you can avoid the injuries because, as you know, Kai just had a, that back injury. You know, that really set him back, but he, fortunately, he was young and able to make a comeback. For a lot of us who are a little bit older, it's a little bit more challenging. So that gets me back to the pacing. We need to pace ourselves and be smart about it. And I'm sure if we listen to this amazing conversation few more times. There's a number of other takeaways that we can walk away with, but I'm going to leave you there so you can think about what we just shared. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodman with Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports. <laughs>